This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.12 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. We are taking a look today at a, uh, a 101 of sorts uh, of the constitutional role of the monarch when it comes to resolving this question of who should form the next government, who should be the next prime minister. If you have questions about this process that we can perhaps put to our guest... That time to ask them is now. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now to discuss this is Gurdiel Singh Nija, former professor and current law practitioner. Gurdiel, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. So, just to be clear, uh, what does the constitution tell us about the role of the monarch in the formation of the government, and specifically, does it say anything about what happens during a hung parliament? Uh, the role of the monarch is pivotal in the formation of the government under the federal constitution because the first thing he has to do on the constitution is to appoint the prime minister. And then on the advice of the prime minister, he then appoints the cabinet members and they constitute the government today. That's made very clear. Uh, and the thing to note about the appointment of the prime minister is that there are two subjective elements that are involved uh, that the monarch is uh, bestowed with. And the first is that it will be in his judgment a person, a member of parliament who is likely to command the confidence of the majority of members. So the first thing is it is completely his discretion, A. And B, it, when they talk about likely to enjoy the confidence, command the confidence of the majority, it means uh, the, a probability. There's no, not necessarily a certainty. It's prospective that he believes in his judgment, in his subjective judgment, that that person can command the road, can command the confidence of the uh, majority of the members of uh, the Dewan Raya. Now, the second thing to note is that that uh, the constitution does not say anything about what happens during a hung parliament, and this is an entirely new experience that Malaysians are now facing. Uh, now, are we, uh, are we left to uh, nothing at all and, uh, you know, hang our head in despair and say, oh, sorry, the federal constitution doesn't provide for it and so back to an election? I think not. Because the constitution also envisages implicit provisions that are not uh, specifically prescribed by the constitution itself. And if you talk about something that has to be written, the Constitution itself says that, you know, you can, when we talk about written law, it also includes customs, usages, and matters such like, not just something that is written in black and white. Now, so this has been used as a basis by our Court of Appeal, for example, to say that conventions, which are practices, which are not written in, but are assumed uh, to be adopted for purposes of allowing the operationalizing in real terms, in pragmatic terms, the provisions of the Constitution. So if uh, we can have recourse to that, then the there are conventions that we can uh, look at in the context of um, the Westminster model, which is of government, which is mainly the UK model, 
in our courts have said it many times that we base our constitution uh, on the Westminster model. And there, if you have a hung parliament, then there is there are there are ways to uh, deal with that. And that is that you then ask for a party that has the largest number of votes because then they can cross the threshold very easily to get the majority or easier than others. And you ask them to uh, then uh, negotiate with other parties uh, and to come up with a majority. Um, and then if that party fails to be able to command, to, to get, to uh, cobble up uh, a, a majority government, then they offer it to the next party and so on. Uh, Gujal, if I could just uh, get you to uh, dwell on the question of discretion and the d- discretion, uh, discretionary powers of the monarch, are there limits to it? Uh, in, in simple terms, don't the numbers, a simple majority, for instance, limit the discretion of the monarch in terms of choosing who the uh, prime minister will be? Well, I mean, the, uh, there are two sides to this uh, question. The first is, of course, you say that, you know, uh, he has absolute discretion because it says so in the Constitution, in his judgment, and not on any other basis. And then again, you have whether there is, a in his judgment, a probability of the person commanding the uh, confidence of the uh, majority of members of parliament. So it's completely in his discretion. But at the same time, that is also governed by convention. So you have a party with a huge majority. <clears throat> that has always happened in the past, where the Barisan National has been, uh, you know, uh, have always emerged victorious with a rather large majority. Then you have to choose who that coalition, the Barisan National Coalition, uh, chooses as its leader. There again, you cannot bypass the convention that it is the leader nominated by the leading party that then quite automatically becomes the prime minister. So to that extent, again, we have this kind of a convention which limits the discretion of, uh, the, uh, of, of, the, of the king, although uh, there seems to be no limit prescribed in the letter of the articles of the constitution itself. Now, according to Malaysia Kini, uh, Datuk Sri Zaid Hamidi has said that the, the Yang Dipatuan Agong decreed that all BNMPs must participate in a unity government. So, in your view, uh, does this represent an overreach in terms of the role of the monarch in this process? Well, again, you know, <clears throat> there are two sides to this. Uh, the first is that, you know, the object of the constitution in bestowing this discretion to the uh, Yang Dipatuan Agong is so that he can get a government going because, uh, you know, otherwise the, the country is rudderless without, um, uh, uh, without a government at all. So he can then say that, you know, I have this obligation to form a government or to start the formation of a government. And I have to do that any which way uh, that is allowed within the terms, within the broad terms of the article of the constitution itself, and that article actually is uh, Article 43, 1A, and so on. Uh, so then he has to therefore exert the best effort he can, any which way, to get the government going. And that will be within the spirit of the constitution and the power that he is given 
to um, to get the uh, to form a government to run the country. So you uh, can say that he can exert all that is possible, short of short of uh, coercion or short of uh, you know any improper action. And I'm not suggesting that he will even think of uh, any improper action. Just to be clear, uh, but he then can exert all that he can up to that particular point of time uh, and effort to get a unity government going. So when you say he must, that, you know, for example, that BNMPs must participate, I don't think he can in- impose that must requirement. But anything up to that must, I think he can exert all possible efforts to get the government going. Goodall, there's another issue that arose, and this came out in the press conference uh, yesterday with Anwar Ibrahim when he said that the monarch had, in his view, wanted to see a government that was inclusive, uh, described in terms of ethnic representation, religious representation, and regional representation. Is the monarch um, able to do that? Does the constitution allow him to uh, give character to that. Say, for instance, could we have an all-Malay government? Would that be somehow, and if that was the case in terms of the numbers, could he deny them the right to come to power? I think think the position is, you know, governed by the word, is uh, in his judgment likely to command. So, you know, if he can, um, perhaps in his judgment, uh, he believes that... uh, the a government that does not carry certain characteristics, characteristics uh, may not uh, result in uh, an acceptance of a prime minister uh, by the majority of members of parliament. So if you take an extreme example, if you were to appoint somebody who he believes does not have some uh, fundamental uh, element uh, to uh, then be able to command the confidence of the majority, uh, then he is entitled to set uh, parameters or criteria by which he feels that a candidate should fit into on the basis that only then probably he will be in a position to say that he will be able to command the confidence of the majority. So actually, within the broad framework, depending upon how you frame it, I think... Uh, he can provide for some criteria. And so here he has said that must look up the race, religion, and uh, uh, region, for example. Uh, so when you take the example of the region, he means, obviously, uh, the East, uh, the Borneo state, the East Malaysia. And he can say that, look, you know, uh, he can justify that quite easily by saying, look, there is an, uh, you know, a democratic process. They have uh, cast a large number of uh, votes for a large number of uh, members of parliament. And so if I were to appoint someone and uh, there is a vote of no confidence, it will be, be self-destruct. So on that basis, I'm going to provide this particular criteria. So I think, um, you know, broadly speaking, he can impose these kind of criteria. So through this process, uh, we've also seen the King call for a series of meetings with political leaders and party reps. Um, we've also, of course, um, heard Dan Sri Muhyiddin Yassin talking about the submission of SDs. Now there's this question of a letter that was sent to the palace. So th- there are a variety of ways in which in which this has proceeded, as well as in which uh, political leaders have tried to say, we have the numbers. Um, if we look at all of this, is this typically how the question of majority is determined? 
actually, you know, the very traditional uh, view for a long time was that the confidence of uh, whether you command the majority of the members or not tested in the House itself, where you know, the members can then um, uh, display their preference or their choice. Uh, but then over the years, and especially in the Zambri case where there was a dispute uh, as to who commands the majority, whether it was Zambri who represented the uh, Barisan National or uh, Niza, I think it was, who commands the uh, Pakatan Harapan um, majority, uh, Pakatan Harapan coalition at that time in Perak. And what then, the then Sultan Azlan Shah, uh, because it was a state matter, so it goes to the state uh, Sultan, uh, what he did was to ascertain the majority. Uh, he called the members of the, uh, the, the members of the house, the Aduns, and uh, talked to them individually to ascertain whether they supported, which faction they supported, and then made a decision on that basis. So then you, so that introduced a new element of the way in which a monarch can uh, ascertain uh, who commands the majority of the members of the house. And then as a gloss on that is a sworn statement by members of um, parliament that can be used to um, make that same particular point. So not just only the you know, having the having the members decide in the house at a meeting of the of the House of Representatives of the state legislature. So this introduced a new element, and it has come to be accepted as part of a norm that can be relied upon by the uh, uh, the monarch to ascertain uh, you know the wishes of the majority of the members of uh, the parliament or the state assembly. So we can we can, we can say that you know it is. Uh, it has come to be accepted. So, uh, good. Yeah, just tomorrow we are looking at uh, a meeting of the Conference of Rulers of the Majlis Raja Raja. Does the Constitution give them a role in the determination of federal level politics? In terms of the choice of the Prime Minister uh, after an election, they have no role. Uh, but in terms uh, of uh, an advice, overall advisory role uh, to be consulted um, in very many, very many matters, uh, there in very many other matters other than the choice of the prime minister, uh, they have a role. They have a specific role, but it's only consultation, um, except in very prescribed circumstances where you must get their consent. But that, that, that does not apply in this particular situation. So I think this is for reinforcing uh, the, uh, you know, the decision to be made by the, by the king that he's seeking his uh, brother uh, ruler um, for uh, feedback, as it were, as to the basis upon which um, he make his decision, and not only that, perhaps even as to the choice. But I think that this is something that is, although not provided for by the Constitution, I think it is not an impediment of any kind in the Constitution for him to uh, ask for anybody's advice. In fact, from what we understand, he would have been advised by lawyers and by certain um, political advisors uh, as 
how to approach, especially this particular situation where mm. there is, for the first time, a, parliament, a hung parliament, and there is uh, there seems to be great difficulty in trying to get either of the two leading factions to come up with uh, with you know a, with a clear uh, mandate uh, to appoint. Gurdia, we have 30 seconds left with you. Do you think there are extraordinary circumstances when we can set aside convention, uh, whether local or commonwealth, and innovate as a way to resolve intractable conflict? I think in the Malaysian context, you know, we have always been fairly innovative. Uh, you know, ours is a constitutional uh, democracy. Constitutional mono- uh, uh, constitu- we are governed by the constitution. And uh, I think some latitude has to be allowed to begin to see how we can weave something out of a situation which is, uh, to solve a situation which is uh, extraordinary. Um, and, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, one of the factions has already said that, you know, we've got the statutory declarations and why is that not enough? There's a kind of a, a veil, the kind of a challenge uh, to the role of the monarchy as to how they should determine and how they should not determine. But I think at the end of the day, we've got to fall back on the constitution and the monarch is given this discretion. So we'll have to abide by uh, his, his, his discretionary choice at the end of the day, which is subjective in nature, but that is how the dice rolls. Gurdiel, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you. That was Gurdiel Singh Nija, former professor and current law practitioner, taking us through the role of the monarch when it comes to the formation of the government and uh, the choosing of the prime minister, which is something that we are all in real time going through. Let us know what you think. You can call us, WhatsApp us, tweet us. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the BFM app.